Hello, you are listening to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, and this is episode number 43. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about No Cows, No Problems. In this short episode, I want to talk about a story that's often shared about a farmer who lost his cows. And to me, this is a story about attachment to our possessions. It's a story about the suffering that arises out of our attachment to our possessions. And it's relevant because we all have cows. And I want to talk about the story. I want to talk about the moral of the story um, and what we can learn from the story when we apply it to our daily lives. But before I jump into that, quick update on the podcast format. Something I've been thinking about incorporating into the podcast is to do an occasional Q&A podcast episode, so questions and answers. As you may know, several of you have reached out to me by email in the past, and quite often I get questions about clarification on certain topics or how does that topic apply to this situation, things of, of that nature. So I thought it would be cool to occasionally, maybe once a month or just every so often, dedicate an entire podcast episode to questions that I received from you listeners. Um, There are two ways to send me the questions. You can email me the questions like you have in the past, noah at secularbuddhism.com, in which case I would just read the question in my own voice and then give you uh, an answer in the podcast episode. But what I thought would be cool, if you're willing, uh, you could call in with your question and leave me a voicemail. That would allow me to extract the question in your own voice, insert it into the podcast, and um, I think that would sound a little bit more fun for some of you to who are willing to call in in your own voice, ask the question, and then uh, I'll answer it in the podcast episode. So the way to do that would be to just call my phone number, uh, I have a, a Google Voice number that's set up just to receive voicemails. So if you call area code 435-200-4803 and leave me your question in a voicemail, I'll extract it, put it in the podcast, and on that specific episode of the Q&A uh, episode, I'll address the question um, after letting everyone hear what what your question was. So those of you outside of the U.S., you would just have to dial the uh, country code 1 and then area code 435-200-4803. So that's something I want to try. Hopefully that'll work out well. I think it would be kind of fun to do that occasionally. And the other format that I'm ready to do occasionally is to uh, interview people. I have a couple of interviews that I'm lining up that I'm, I'm actually really excited about. Uh, I wouldn't want to do this in every podcast episode because it's it takes a lot of time and effort to line up interviews, and I'm not quite ready to do that all on my own yet. So I will do occasional interviews. So the three formats of the podcast would be the most common, just like this episode and all the past episodes. It would just be me explaining a specific topic or a story or um, you know just discussing something. The uh, other format would be an occasional question and answer podcast where I would address the questions that I receive from listeners. And the third format would be an occasional podcast interview. So 
that's where I'm planning to take things down the road. So if any of you have questions and you'd like to be featured on the podcast, call with your question. That would be uh, my preference. But you can also email me if you prefer to remain anonymous or not have your voice featured in the podcast. You can do that by email. So again, phone number 435-200-4803. And the email is noah at secularbuddhism.com. Okay, before I jump into the story about the cows, uh, again, remember the, da- the Dalai Lama's advice. I'll, I try to say this in every episode, and I do it for a reason. Do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. I think that's so important to emphasize regularly. And also to remind you that this podcast is made possible by the Foundation for Mindful Living, a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to make the world a better place by teaching people to live more mindfully. And this podcast and the topics I discuss and the stories that I share, they're all part of that mission. So if you get any value out of this podcast and if you're in a position to be able to consider becoming a monthly contributor. Uh, Even $2 a month can make a big difference. It allows me to do much more with this platform. Um, one time donations are appreciated as well. And of course you can do, you can do this by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the donate button at the top of the page. And again, I want to say thank you to everyone who's done that because it's making a very big difference with helping me to plan how, um, I do this in the future, knowing what resources I can depend on to grow not only the nonprofit, but also the podcast itself. So thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who have um, been in a position to be able to do that. Okay, so let's jump back into this week's topic real quick. So the story I want to share today, it goes something like this. One day, after the Buddha and a group of monks finished eating lunch mindfully together, a farmer, very agitated, came by and he asked, Monks, have you seen my cows? I don't think I can survive so much misfortune. And the Buddha asked him, what happened? And the man said, well, monks, this morning all 12 of my cows ran away. And this year my whole crop of plants was eaten by insects. And the poor farmer was dismayed. And the Buddha said, well, sorry, we haven't seen your cows. You know, perhaps they've gone in in that other direction. And the farmer ran off in that direction. And then the Buddha turned to his monks and he said, dear friends, do you know how you are the happiest people on earth? You have no cows or plants to lose. And that's the story. That's the essence of the story. And when I first heard this story, it really spoke to me on multiple levels. You know, at the time, I was feeling very much like the farmer. Ironically, when I first read this story, I, I believe I believe it was, it was in Old Path, White Clouds. I may have to look at that and reference it at the end where I first read the story. But I felt like the farmer. My cows were missing and I was in a frantic search to see if I could find them or to recover them. And I felt like the farmer in the parable, um, only that for me, the, the story is a little bit different. For me, the story goes on. You know, I felt like the farmer. I spent some time looking for the cows, couldn't find the cows. Once I realized, okay, well, there's no recovering the lost cows, uh, I felt like I was able to come back and sit down with a group of monks, and, and I found peace, tremendous peace, in the concept of letting go, or in the concept of letting be. And I was able to sit with my feelings. I was able to distinguish clearly uh, between the emotions that I was experiencing. 
So going back a little bit real quick, most of you know the plight that uh, I've been going through with my company and the difficult financial times that I've experienced after my company had um, placed several of my products in various big box retail locations, like specifically Walmart, AT&T Wireless, and Verizon Wireless. Well, as many of you may have been able to draw in from conclusions from past episodes, ultimately what's happened is uh, my company has been forced under, which has forced me to go under personally because my my personal uh, credit and loans were all linked to the business. So when you have, you know, roughly at this point, six or 7,000 stores worldwide, all returning product, and this is inventory that I have already paid to manufacture, it's inventory I have not been able to resell to others. A huge portion of it is because it's inventory that's now essentially obsolete. Um, some of you may know I, I was one of the, the very first to popularize the selfie stick and what a global phenomenon that was. It was like the, you know, today it's the fidget spinners. Uh, back then it was the, the selfie sticks. They were all over the place. And as soon as we popularized those, you know, companies from all over started copying my design. Uh, they started manufacturing cheap versions and before we knew it, you could see these things on street corners being sold or in gas stations. They were just everywhere. And not just here in the US, but worldwide. And it was crazy how fast it you know, the the, the uh how fast it all climbed and how fast it all dropped. Uh in December, um I was so not this December, but the previous December, I was being featured uh by the New York Times in an interview about the the rise of the selfie sticks. And then it seemed like in January, they started to be banned. Uh, Walmart, or not Walmart, um, Disneyland started to ban them, museums, the Louvre in France. And, you know, just as fast as they they climbed in popularity, it seemed like overnight, they were frowned upon. Nobody liked them. It wasn't cool to have a selfie stick anymore. And the timing made it so that you know, I had thousands and thousands of these in stores all over the world. So suddenly they were all turned back uh, to me. And I was in this position where I had to absorb the loss of the manufacturing cost, the shipping cost to get to all those stores. And then when they send them all back, they they don't just uh, say, hey, you know, we don't need these anymore, which at the time, of course, I was manufacturing um, a significant amount of these every month. I was also in the position where they ask for their money back. And what, you know, when Walmart says we want our money back on our, on all these inventory items that we had paid for, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a pretty significant amount. So long story short, it left me in a position where I, I realized I was not going to be able to survive this. And it was, it was really difficult because while there was uncertainty about whether or not this could maybe fail or maybe it could succeed, uh, that was a tumultuous phase. The moment it crossed the line from that uncertainty to certainty, and it was certain that you know I was going to have to go down the path of bankruptcy, um, it became a little easier because at that point, it's like when you're in a water fight uh, with water guns, you don't want to get wet. But the moment you get wet, you're like, oh, well, I'm wet now. So that, <laughs> it's not so stressful to, you know, to have someone come spraying you with water. It was a similar feeling for me going through this. And it was during that tumultuous time, during the uncertainty of what was going to happen that I had encountered this story of the farmer and the cows. 
And I remember laughing, hearing the story, thinking, oh my gosh, that's so true. So much of the suffering I'm experiencing at the loss of my cows is, uh, you know, it, it's real. And, and it feels it feels very um, difficult to cope with something like that. Fortunately, this this also came during a time in my life when I spend when I've been spending a considerable amount of time and effort to be more mindful and to have more uh, mindfulness as a regular everyday part of my life. So while I felt like the farmer at first running down the path thinking, well, wait, I'm going to find them. I also feel like in my version of the story, I, I went, I looked and I realized, hey, they're, it's true. They're gone. I can't do anything about it. And instead of holding on to that for, for much longer, I feel like I went back and I sat down and I was like, okay, well, now I'm one of you guys. I don't have cows either. So I'm going to enjoy the same experience of of peace and contentment that you guys have because now you have nothing to lose. And now I have nothing to lose. And it was an interesting process to sit with that. And I've talked in the past about the parable of the two arrows, and I felt like I was experiencing that as well. There was the first arrow of suffering that I was experiencing at the loss of my business, at the loss of um, my sense of identity. You know, I, I've mentioned this before, I think, how my sense of identity was attached to a label uh, with my career. I'm an entrepreneur, and that's been a very important part of how I identify myself in, in relationship to the world and to others. And I realized a significant part of my suffering had to do with this perceived loss of my identity. And when I realized, oh, well, these, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm linking who I am to what I do, I was able to at least mentally sever the two and realize I'm not an entrepreneur. That's just something I do. But when that no longer felt like a sense of my core identity, a significant amount of the pain I was feeling also went away with that because now it wasn't me personally being threat threatened. It was just a label that is not going to be a label anymore. You know, and maybe it will be again someday. Maybe I'll be an entrepreneur when I do something else. But for now, I'm not. I'm I'm just someone who doesn't have cows. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to sit with this, with the two arrows. And the first arrow was the loss. And that's normal, natural pain and suffering, you know. And for me, this came in the shape of looking at my warehouse, seeing my employees, uh, thinking of the various memories I've built with them, the trade shows that we've attended worldwide and the people I've met along the way and the hard work that's gone into designing the product packaging. And, you know, this has all been a very significant part of, of me for the last seven years. And there was nostalgia in that uh, emotional grieving that this is something that I'm going to lose. It's not a part of my life anymore. And that was a difficult phase. And I was able to sit with that. And, you know, it lasted about, I'd say, a good week where I would walk, I'd go into work and I'd see everything I built and I would get emotional and I would laugh and I would cry. And it was, it was a, a, an interesting phase. But what I noticed is I was also experiencing the pain of the second arrow, which is I was feeling bad about feeling bad. A part of me was saying, you're not supposed to feel bad. You're supposed to be mindful and get past this really quickly. And I realized that's a big part of the pain I'm feeling. It's that I'm, I'm feeling bad about feeling bad. And that's when I was able to do something incredible. I was able to just allow myself to be, feel bad. I, I allowed myself to just feel the emotions. I was able to reminisce on all the great memories. I was able to feel sorrow. I was able to let myself cry. And at the end of that process, which took about a week, 
I just found a tremendous sense of peace. It was over. The cows were gone. I no longer have to worry about losing the cows because I don't have those cows anymore. And it was fun to link what was happening in my personal life, in my uh, career, my business life, with this story that was very touching to me. The idea of uh, the poor farmer losing the cows. And I felt like I could I, I could identify with the farmer, but I could also identify with the monks. I, I, I could identify with the pain and sorrow of losing the cows, the frantic search for the cows. But I could also identify with the serenity, the deep serenity and the deep peace that comes from knowing I don't have any cows to lose. And I think when it comes to possessions, you know, we're always trying to accumulate more and more. And we think that these cows, they're essential for our existence. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having possessions. It's not the possessions themselves that cause the problems. It's the attachment that we have to the possessions that becomes the problem. You know, often... Our attachment to our possessions is the very obstacle that prevents us from having joy or contentment in that present moment because we're, we're accumulating stuff. And the more we have, the more we have to fear because the more, you know, the, the, the more we depend on our attachment to possessions for something like feeling joy or happiness, well, the greater the risk of losing those things. Uh, you know, it's like the higher you climb, the, the scarier it is that you're going to fall because, uh, you know, the higher you were, the harder the fall, that kind of thing. Um, so to me, this story is a valuable teaching that says we can let go of our attachment. You know, we have the attachment that we have to our cows. We can become free. And the key isn't to let go of your cows. I don't think that the the moral of this story or the key to this story is to say, hey, let go of everything now, because if you give it all up now, you know, you'll never have to worry about anything. I think there's truth to that. Absolutely. But I don't think that that's necessary. We don't need to get, give up everything that we own. But I do think we need to give up the attachment that we have to everything that we own. You know, it's all impermanent anyway. Our possessions, the labels that we have, like my label of being an entrepreneur, the opinions that we hold, uh, you know, we attach to those as well. All these things, they're they're all impermanent, these are the cows. And several weeks ago, you know, I did a guided meditation on impermanence where I asked you to imagine what it would be like to see everything that you own slowly disappear on a stage. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back a few episodes and find that. Because the point of that exercise is that this is the nature of reality. All things change. All beginnings have endings. So why should we feel so attached to the cows that we own? And again, I'm not saying that we need to start letting go of our cows, but take a look at the cows that you have in your life and imagine, well, what would I be if I didn't have these cows? You know, the cow could be the specific house that you have, the specific job title that you have, the car that you drive, the, you know, the type of work that you do, whatever it is, are you attached to it? Do you feel that your sense of identity derives from the thing that you do or is it separate? There's me, and then there's how I am. There's what I do. There's what I'm called, my name. You know, These are all separate from the core essence of who I am. Who I am is just me, and that's constantly changing. And one day, I wasn't an entrepreneur. The next day, I was. And one day, I didn't have a big business. One day, I did, and I had products sold all over the world. The next day, I didn't. <laughs> and you can start to see the reality that I talk about so often, which is that life 
is like a game of Tetris. And one piece shows up and it's all great. And the next piece shows up and you're like, "Uh oh, that doesn't fit anywhere. And it's ruining my game. Are we attached to these pieces as they unfold? Um, do we, that, that's the core essence of the teaching of this story. It's not about the cow. It's about the attachment to the cow. So this has been an opportunity for me to spend a considerable amount of time looking at my attachments. Now, in my case, uh, recently, you know, I am losing a lot of these attachments and that's not the problem. That's not painful. What's been painful is realizing that, that some of the things that I've had to give up are things that I was attached to. For example, my title, my, uh, you know, my identity as a, as an entrepreneur, it, weirdly enough, was more painful than losing my house or losing uh, the money or the income I had from my company. It was the perception that I had that other people have of me. So therefore, my sense of identity was on the line. You know, that was more painful. And I'm glad I was able to explore that and see that and find that and then disassociate with that label in terms of uh, allowing that label to own me. Remember, that's my definition of non-attachment. It's not about not having things. It's about do the things that I have, the labels that I have, the opinions that I hold, do those things own me? And it's been really neat to spend time with us and realize right now, nothing owns me and I own very little. And it's it's been very refreshing. Uh, it's been very refreshing to hit this reset button, to be at a place where I get to decide uh, with my blank slate, where do we go from here? Uh, this week is a, a big week for me on Thursdays when I meet with with the uh, trustee over the bankruptcy to find out what are they doing with all of my stuff, all of my inventory, all of my personal assets, my home. And uh, I expect that it'll all be taken. It'll all be gone. That's the standard protocol. And it's been fascinating to be able to sit with that, to experience that, to see the attachment that I have to these things and to watch them go. You know, it's like, in that parable of the cows, you know, it's one thing to wake up and be like, Oh no, the cows are gone. But it's, I think it's another to sit there and watch somebody come and say, Hey, these are my cows now. And they're going to walk out with them and to have peace with that to think, well, okay, I'm not going to have any regrets about this. I've thoroughly enjoyed the last seven years running my business, watching it grow, watching it reach the peaks that it did and now I want to enjoy watching it dissolve because it's a it's a reminder to me in the same way that I would watch incense being burned. You know, I see the smoke going up and I see this is this is the nature of reality. I'm experiencing it. I'm seeing it firsthand. Things that are born die. Things that are created dissolve. You know, this is the this is reality in uh motion here. Um, and I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful to be able to experience this right now, the way that I'm experiencing it with the perspective and the mindset that I'm experiencing it with, because I can see how difficult and how emotional and how heart wrenching it would be to go through all of this. If there was a significant amount of attachment to the possessions while going through this, it would be very painful. So it doesn't need to be more painful than it is beyond that first arrow that's why I love that parable. The first arrow of pain, sure, that's fine. That's natural. I, I have no problem with that level of pain, but I, uh, I don't want to allow the second pain of arrow to make this any more painful than it has to be. And that to me is really the essence of what this story is about. 
So again, maybe look in your own lives and look at your cows, look at your possessions, which of these possessions, not just physical possessions, the possessions of your labels and your opinions and your beliefs and everything, throw it all in there, look at it and say, where do I see attachment? And it's okay to have that attachment. Just know that that attachment will cause significant pain if and when, and I should just say when, it's time to let go. And you know, that that when may not be until the end of your life, that you're sitting there on your deathbed realizing, oh, this is it, I'm about to die. Maybe that's when you sever the connection with everything that you know. And does that have to be painful? Or will you be prepared because you've been letting go your whole life? You've been um, experiencing non-attachment with your possessions your whole life. You know, to me, that's that's the essence of non-attachment. It's not necessarily letting things go. You know, I talk about attachment, and its opposite would be detachment. But non-attachment is not the same thing as detachment. You know, it's like holding on to something and saying, "I'm holding on to this because this is what makes sense now." But I can let go if I need to. That to me is non-attachment. Another example on the flip side of that, it would be saying, oh, there's that thing I will never hold on to that. I will never touch that. That to me is also a form of attachment. It's certainty. Whereas non-attachment would say, I'm not going to hold on to that. But if I need to, I will, because I might need to one day. You know, it's that it's the difference is the the maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe this is the best thing to hold on to right now. Maybe it's not. And then there's a a level of comfort that arises because you don't have to you don't have to oppose something so firmly or hang on to it so tightly. You know, it all becomes a loose grip on reality. You know, you can't just let it all go. That's why I, I think I like the expression "let it be." Let it go works for the past, right? Let things go in the past, sure. In the present, I think it makes more sense. We're letting things be, letting it be just as it is. Because remember, the moment we want life to be other than it is, we experience suffering. So here we are letting things be and seeing what would life be like if I would just let it be? What if this, you know, the the experiences that I'm going through, the emotions that I'm feeling, what if I just let them be what they are? Well, then you discover pretty quickly that because of the nature of impermanence, they arise, they linger, and then they pass. And that's it. And we move on. That's the nature of reality. So that's the topic I have for today. No cows, no problems. Now, a quick uh, item for news. I've talked about this a couple times, upcoming workshops. Uh, I'm doing a workshop on Sunday, August 27th in LA. I'm doing one on Saturday, October 21st in Orlando, and one on Saturday, November 4th in Phoenix. If you're interested in any of those, visit secularbuddhism.com. Then you, uh, you can click on... I think the link says start here. And at the bottom of that link, you'll see attend a workshop. If you click on attend a workshop, uh, you'll you'll be able to learn more about those workshops, sign up for them. Right now, the registration is only open for the LA one, but monitor that page because the Orlando and the Phoenix one will open up soon. And I've mentioned this again, um, you know, the recent humanitarian mindfulness trip to Uganda that I did earlier this year, I'm doing that again next year. If any of you are interested in learning more about the Africa humanitarian trip, it's a life-changing uh, trip. Everyone who went, 16 of us went on the last one. Uh, everyone loved it. Uh, email me with questions about that, noah at secularbuddhism.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. 
Or if you're new to Buddhism and you're interested in learning more, you can always go back to the first five episodes of the podcast, listen to them in order. They're a summary of some of the key concepts taught in Buddhism. You can always check out my book, Secular Buddhism, Eastern Thought for Western Minds. It serves as a basic introduction to Buddhist concepts. That's available on Amazon, Kindle, iTunes, Audible. And for more information or links to those, you can visit secularbuddhism.com. And that's all I have for now. But I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. So thank you for your time. Thank you for joining me. And until next time. 